This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the sixth day of April 2022. Hope you all are staying safe where you are. Of course, uh, big storms rolling across the south uh, yesterday. We've got some more coming in today. We had tornadoes in South Carolina and Texas and uh, I know my friends up in the Northeast are going to get a drenching today, so uh, stay safe wherever you are, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us here this morning on Sports Country Radio. Well, the big news, uh, we talked about this yesterday, and I said that uh, I thought that Tiger Woods would play, and Tiger announced yesterday that he does plan to play in the Masters starting tomorrow morning. He's going to play another nine-hole practice round today, and it sounds like, barring some kind of a setback, that he is going to play in the Masters Tournament tomorrow, it'll be his 24th Masters. He was asked yesterday, does he think he can win it? And he said two words, I do. Then he then he said, look, I don't show up for an event unless I think I can win it. So that's the attitude that I have. Uh, and I'm telling you what, folks, uh, you know, I'm not putting it past him. Uh, odds makers, if you're into that kind of thing, have him as uh, 50 to one to win it. That might even be optimistic. I look. Uh, there's no question that if he wins this thing, it will be. It, maybe you know. Maybe I'm being a little uh, overly dramatic when I say if he wins this thing, it'll be the greatest story in the history of golf. But you know, it, maybe not. But it's going to be right up there. For a guy that's going to be playing with screws and rods still in that leg and ankle holding it all together to come back 14 months after that horrific accident to compete at the highest level, if he pulls this thing off, uh, it's just going to add uh, to this guy's reputation and his mystique. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, So we shall see whether he manages to pull that off or not. I will be shocked uh, if he wins it, but then again, I also won't be shocked if he wins it. That's just the way Tiger Woods is. You almost you almost expect it. Uh, so anyway, so that's where we're at as far as Tiger goes. He tees off tomorrow morning at 1030. I can guarantee you that I will be watching. There is no doubt. <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, that's – and I think for most people, if, even if you're a casual golf fan, uh, I think it's going to be must-watch TV this weekend. How can you not? How can you not, right? So, uh, so we'll uh, we'll have our eyes on that. Uh, by the way, we will not have a show tomorrow. Uh, we will be here on Friday, but uh, uh, we're going to take tomorrow off uh, for the the start of the Masters, the start of the baseball season. I've got some things I got to do around here, but we'll be back on Friday. But definitely no show uh, tomorrow. Uh, other things around. Uh, uh, sports before we get to because I want to spend the majority of the show talking about the upcoming baseball season where it looks like uh, I think 
um, that the Red Sox are. And where everybody else is, we'll make some fearless predictions and see how uh, close I am at the end of the year. <laughs> Probably not too close, uh, but we'll see. I hope I fare better at that than I did with my NCAA bracket. Um, other news last night, the Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated from the NBA playoffs. They lose to the Phoenix Suns last night, 121 to 110. By the way, no no shame in that. The Phoenix Suns have been beating the crap out of people all year. Uh, but look, LeBron James is getting a lot of criticism now. He did not play in the game last night, uh, missed his second straight game. He has had some serious uh, problems with that ankle. The Lakers have lost seven straight overall. But this is a team, when you look at, you know, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony, all these guys could end up one day in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And to have five uh, potential future Hall of Famers and for this team not to make the playoffs, it's brutal. You know, and, and you know, uh, LeBron takes the heat mostly. Um because he hasn't delivered really out in Los Angeles by and large. And, and some of that's been because he hasn't been able to stay on the court, but some of it, and, and I have to, you have to ask if some of the problem isn't LeBron himself, that if perhaps he's, uh, you know, maybe he's just not the leader, you know, maybe he's just a guy that he, you know, I don't want to say he's selfish, but he, you know, he's not, you know, Michael Jordan made players around him better made a whole team look better. I'm not sure LeBron James has ever done that. But be that as it may, the Lakers will miss the playoffs uh, yet again. Phoenix, by the way, their 63rd victory of the season, guaranteeing that they will not lose even 20 games this year. Think about that. That's how good that Phoenix team is. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't care who comes out of the Eastern Conference. Boy, I tell you what, you are going to have your hands full with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, hockey news from last night. The Boston Bruins uh, came in banged up. They were without David Posternock. They also, uh, Trent Frederick was out going into last night's game. Uh, they got hurt in the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Monday night, back-to-back games. So they play uh, against the Detroit Red Wings last night. They open up a 2-0 lead uh, behind goals uh, from Patrice Bergeron and Eric Halla. And then they can't hold it. They absolutely dominated this game everywhere but the scoreboard. They outshot uh, the Red Wings by a huge margin. The Bruins had 53 shots on goal last night. But you come in two men down, and then you lose uh, your top defenseman in Hampus Lindholm midway through the second period, does not come back and play the third period. The Bruins do manage to get it back to within 4-3. Uh, but then they give up um, a late one and uh, an empty netter, and Detroit wins at 5-3. Uh, look, Bruins are still in great shape. They're still 17-4-1 in their last 22 games. Uh, but that was a tough one last night. But you have to be concerned now. We've got, what, 12 or 11 or 12 games left in the regular season, and the Bruins are taking uh, a beating physically, and uh, it could be a problem uh, for them as they head into the playoffs if they can't stay healthy. Uh, all right, so we're going to get to some baseball news, you know, and we'll we'll get to our uh, our preview of the season. One of the things that came out for Major League Baseball yesterday is that uh, MLB has approved the use of an electronic device uh, for catchers and pitchers to signal uh, pitches, location, everything. Um, this is a direct fallout 
from what happened with the Houston Astros in 2017. Uh, it's it's eliminates people being able to steal signs. You know, we won't have any more banging of garbage cans. It's going to eliminate the use of video to try to figure out locations and signs because there's just going to be no way to do it. Uh, if they use this electronic device. Now, not everybody is going to use it, and it's as simple as this. The catcher is going to have um, a device on his arm. Uh, I, I think there's like nine buttons, and it, it, it's going to be individual pitches as well as location. And then I think it's two or three other players in the field uh, can wear it, which will help with uh, location. And it will help them uh, adjust their position on the field. So uh, we'll see. And it's and it's available, by the way, in both English and Spanish. Of course, the question then becomes, what happens if you have a Japanese pitcher? But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But uh, it'll be interesting. There's no word yet whether the Red Sox plan to use it, um, and then how effective it will be. But uh, you know, and the other question about it is, and they're going to continue to tweak this. But it's all well and good. They've been using it. You know, in uh, some minor league games, they used it in some spring training games. There is a big difference between a minor league ballpark and a a spring training ballpark. You know, with four or five thousand people in it, versus being uh, at Yankee Stadium or at Fenway Park with forty thousand screaming people. Is it going to be loud enough? Is it going to be clear enough? Uh, so we'll see whether that indeed does. Uh, come to fruition or not but I think it's an intriguing idea and I think anything that we can do because I, I here's what I don't want to hear anymore you know look we've all been through the whole Houston Astros thing we're all sick of talking about it uh, we're all sick of hearing the New York Yankees and other people whine about this and that uh, you know stop already um, so we're tired of that so anything that we can do to make it so that we see, we seem to have a level playing field and nobody is able to use any kind of uh, sign stealing um, and we won't have to hear about it anymore makes me happy you know so we'll see whether again it's it's going to be optional it is going to be major league baseball has approved it for use for everybody uh, and we'll see uh, what teams use it and how effective it is I'm sure we're going to hear about that very quickly uh, once the season starts, people are going to let us know whether whether it truly works or not or whether it needs some more tweaking. But the fact that they're going to use it and I don't have to hear any more about, hey, they're stealing signs or they're cheating, That's it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right, let's get to our season preview. Let's start with the Boston Red Sox. They had their final spring training game yesterday. Uh, Sox come back to win it. Not that it really matters. They were down 6-1. They win it 10-6. But the takeaway from yesterday and the thing that is most concerning to me is Michael Walker, the guy that is supposed to be uh, their number four or number five starter this year, got hammered. Um, through six innings, six hits, six runs, he walked three guys, he gave up three home runs. Um, as I said yesterday on the show, Michael Walker has stunk since 2017. And the fact that the Red Sox are trying to, you know, look, I get it. You know, they're spending a lot of money and they're trying to find ways to to build a bridge between what they've got now, some of the young kids coming up, and, you know, they're hoping that Michael Walker, they're hoping that 42-year-old Rich Hill can do the job. It's ugly. It really is. Um, and there was a story in the Boston Globe this morning, and I don't disagree with this, by the way, 
that this season for the Red Sox, to me, and it was Chris Gasper that wrote this, it, this season, to me, feels like the Red Sox are trying to make it look like they're going to compete, but they're kind of already pointing towards next year. I mean, look, they signed Waka. It's a one-year deal. They signed Rich Hill. It's a one-year deal. Uh, Chris Sale's already hurt. We don't. He's probably not coming back until June. Um, Xander Bogarts can opt out. Nate Valdi, their opening day starter, is set to become a free agent at the end of this year. Kike Hernandez, their starting center fielder, is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. But then you look down in the minor leagues, and they've got Tristan Cassis, one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball down there. Uh, they've got a couple of young pitchers down there that they're already pointing to being on the staff next year. And you start to wonder if this is just Heimblum and the organization saying, okay, look, we're going to put a representative team out there. We're going to try to be competitive, but we really don't believe we can win this year. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I have a very, very bad feeling about this year. I said it yesterday, and I'm going to continue to say it, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I look like an idiot at the end of the year. I probably look like an idiot a lot, but I hope I look like an idiot at the end of the year. Uh, but without Chris Sale, without James Paxton, who they signed to a two-year deal, if Paxton can come back and Sale can come back in June and they can pitch the way that they have pitched in the past, that's great. But think about this. Chris Sale has been with this team since, what, 2018, right? Yeah, 2018. No, 2017. And he has given them a grand total of one full season of work over that amount of time. He has been hurt so much that he has been not been able to be on the field. And this is a guy they signed to a five-year contract extension after his uh, deal with the, the his original deal with the Chicago White Sox ran out after the Red Sox traded for him. And, and look, I, I I admire Chris Sale. The fact that he stands up and says, "Hey, I'm not even a baseball player right now," and he's really uh, he's frustrated. You know, it's not that he uh, is saying, well, hey, tough, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to collect my millions and too bad on you. He's as frustrated as anybody. So as a fan, I mean, you have to stand up and say, well, great. But at the same time, you have to say, well, that's all well and good. But if you're the Red Sox, uh, what are you going to do? You know, you're paying this guy 20, what, 24, 25 million dollars a year to sit on his ass. Now, I, I shouldn't say that. He's not sitting on his ass. Yesterday, after the spring training game, while the rest of the Red Sox are packing up and going home, he's walking or running along the outfield warning track, pulling a weighted sled to try to keep himself in shape. Uh, so, you know, he's doing everything that he can. It's, it's not his fault, I guess, that his body's breaking down. But that's not helping Red Sox fans that are going to be sitting home and watching this this year. So, uh, so let's start off with the, the American League East with that with that backdrop and taking a look at <laughs> the disaster I think the Red Sox are going to be. I honestly do not see how the Red Sox finish above fourth place in that division. I just don't. I hope they do, uh, but to me, the class of that division is the Toronto Blue Jays with George Springer leading off, Bo Bichette hitting second, Vlad Jr. hitting third, and Teoscar Hernandez hitting fourth. Good luck. And then, oh, and then Matt Chapman, who they, they traded for from the Oakland Athletics. Good Lord. You know, I look on there. You look at their projected batting order. The only break in that order, maybe, is the young kid Alejandro Kirk. Outside of that, there, isn't a, there is not a weak link in that batting order. 
That's frightening. And then you look at that rotation, and we talked about this yesterday as well, with Jose Barrios, the kid from Minnesota, as the top of that rotation. And your number five starter is Yusei Kikuchi, who had double-digit wins for the Seattle Mariners last night and made huge strides adjusting to baseball in the United States after getting shelled his first two years coming over, pitching for Seattle. He got killed. Last year he figured it out. And now he he's going to be the number five starter. Jesus, if he was on the Red Sox, he'd be their number two. He'd be right behind Nate Evaldi. So, look, the only team in the American League East that you can write off is the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles have lost over 100 games the last three years. How do you – and they're going to do it again, folks. You know, they are not going to win – they're not going to win 70 games this year. There's no way in hell. No way in hell. Uh, so, outside of the Orioles, who the hell the Red Sox are going to beat? The Tampa Bay Rays, again – you look at their payroll and you say, Jesus, they're only spending $90 million bucks. The Red Sox are spending $110 million more than that. But you look at that Rays lineup and you look at that Rays pitching staff and it's hard to argue that it's not better than what the Red Sox have. The Red Sox may have better offense, but the pitching staff that the Rays have is far superior. And then, of course, there's the evil empire, the New York Yankees. And they're healthy. And the best thing that the Yankees did this year is to get rid of their catcher. When they traded Gary Sanchez to the Minnesota Twins, that's what you call addition by subtraction. Gary Sanchez was a butcher behind the plate. He led the American League in pass balls the last two seasons. He had a great arm, but he can't stop a ball in the dirt. Uh, he has, you know, throw a fastball outside, it clanks off his glove and goes to the backstop. I mean, it was a great move for the Yankees. Now Kyle Higashioka will take over the catching duties. Uh, is he as good defensively as Gary Sanchez? Uh, he's about 15 times better. He isn't the threat at the plate that Sanchez was, but he is a much better defensive catcher, and they added Josh Donaldson. Uh, you know, They added Joey Gallo last year. They re-signed Aaron Rizzo. Judge is healthy. Stanton's healthy. That's a scary lineup. So when I look at this, to me, it's the Toronto Blue Jays are going to finish first. I think that the Yankees finish second, the Rays finish third, Sox are going to finish fourth. I think the Sox, look, I think the Sox will be a better than 500 team. They probably win 84, 85 games, but in this division, which is the best division in Major League Baseball, and it ain't close. Because there are four teams in this division. There is no other division in baseball where you have four teams that could all win the pennant and everybody could say, "Geez, that's not, you know, not really a surprise." Every other division is a two- or three-team race. This one is four teams, and, and it's going to be a hell of a battle. So if the Sox win 85 games, I guess I'll be happy. No, no, I won't. No, I won't. I'm not going to be happy because they're not going to be in the playoffs. I just don't see it. Uh, so that's that's where we look at uh, for the American League East. And, you know, it's – it's look, the Sox are going to be over the luxury tax threshold, too. That's the other thing I think that's frustrating for Sox fans is you've spent all this money and your payroll is going to be probably the fifth or sixth highest in baseball, and you are barely going to be a 500 team. And some of that is a product of the division that you're in, and some of it's also a product of you sat on your ass and you watched all the other teams in your division sign all these players, make all these trades, and everybody's going like, hello, what are you going to do? And you finally wait until... Two weeks before the regular season is going to start, you finally try sign Trevor Story. The problem is 
And look, I love Trevor Story, and he's a great defensive player, and I think he's going to be great in a Red Sox uniform. But you didn't need Trevor Story; you needed pitching. You know, and you watched all your division rivals trade or sign free agents, pitchers that are better than almost everybody you have on your staff. They could have gotten away with leaving Christian Arroyo at second base or having Kike Hernandez play second base, and now that you've traded for Jackie Bradley Jr., putting him back in center field. They could have gotten away with that and spent the money on pitching. So uh, so that's, that's the frustrating part. They're going to have such a high payroll, but in that division, they're almost doomed before they start. Um, so then we move to the American League Central. And this division is perhaps the worst in baseball. Outside of the Chicago White Sox, I don't think anybody else in this division has a prayer. I guess maybe you could say the Minnesota Twins, they've made some moves. They've made the rotation a little bit better. Uh, but even still, you look at that rotation, and Sonny Gray's okay. But Dylan Bundy, a guy that uh, was like a human uh, pitching machine and just got battered all over the ballpark, you're hoping he's going to be the middle of your rotation. Randy Dobnak, a guy who couldn't stay healthy and a guy who nobody had heard of uh, up until last year. Uh, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan's a nice young pitcher, but you're asking an awful lot from these guys. Their lineup, again, they're going to score runs. But I don't know if they have enough pitching. But that Chicago White Sox team is frightening. I mean, I, I just, the White Sox may be the second-best team in the American League, in my mind. You know, with Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu, all the, and all these guys are young. Eloy Jimenez, uh, Yasmani Grandal. They just traded for A.J. Pollock, the kid from Hebron, Connecticut. Uh, kid. He's 30. I think he's 35 years old, but he's a kid to me. Uh, they just traded for him uh, to play right field, and they signed Josh Harrison to play second base. This team is loaded. And then Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease, uh, Dallas Keiko, Michael Kopech. What a rotation. Now, Lance Lynn, who's supposed to be their number two starter, uh, just had to have knee surgery. He's going to be out a month. He had to have a scope done on the knee. So that's going to hurt them a little bit. But you look at that bullpen with Liam Hendricks on the back end of that bullpen. I'm telling you, Chicago wins this division uh, by 15 games. I don't think anybody is within 15 games. Minnesota, maybe. The Cleveland Guardians, are you, by the way, I can't. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get used to saying the Cleveland Guardians instead of the Cleveland Indians. But the Cleveland Indians, their payroll, the Cleveland Indians pay, or Cleveland Guardians payroll is $36 million. There are seven pay players in Major League Baseball right now that are making more money than the entire payroll of the Cleveland Guardians. So that's all you need to know about them. The Detroit Tigers, look, they were better last year. They may be close to a 500 team. The Royals, same thing. They're probably going to be a 500 team, but the Chicago White Sox are going to win 100 games. They're going to win 99 or 100 games. So they win this division probably by 15. It's not going to be close. All right, two down. We got uh, four more to go. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning, the day before the Masters, the day before the return of Tiger Woods. Uh, the entire world will be watching. Like I said, even casual golf fans are going to be watching that. There's there's no doubt. Um all right, so we've gone through the uh, AL East, the AL Central. Let's get to the AL West. Look, I want to make, I would love to be able to make a case that the Los Angeles Angels are going to be able to compete 
for the AL West title. I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, can't get in the playoffs. You know, he has not been able to get in the playoffs. So let me, I'll try, I'll try to make a case for him. You have Shohei Otani. Okay, that's, you know, uh, great. You have Mike Trout. Great. You have Anthony Rendon. Let's not forget about Anthony Rendon. This is a guy uh, that has dealt with some injuries, you know, the last couple of years. But, look, this is a guy that they signed to a $245 million contract. Uh, but he missed 100 games last year. He had hip surgery. He had the groin problems, knee injuries, uh, you know, everything just killed him. I mean, think about this. Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon were in 17 games together last year, right? 162 games, and Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani were only able to play in 17 games together. That's crazy. Uh, of course, they didn't have Mike Trout last year for most of the year uh, because he had that calf injury. Theoretically, you know, Shohei Otani is healthy. If he is the Shohei Otani of last year, um, and Anthony Rendon can come back from those injuries, that's the good part. You know, and you know, Jared Walsh is a solid guy at first base in the middle of that, that lineup. They love Max Stassi. They just signed him to a contract extension, their catcher, to keep him there for a while. But think about that. Without Anthony Rendon last year, without Mike Trout last year, and with a pitching staff that was just hideous outside of Shohei Otani, they went 77 and 85. They won 77 games with uh, with uh, two of their key members out and a pitching staff uh, that was uh, brutal. Well, now you have Otani. They brought in Noah Syndergaard from the New York Mets as a free agent. Now, Noah Syndergaard pitched a grand total of two innings last year because he was coming back from Tommy John surgery. If Noah Syndergaard comes back as 75 or 80% of the pitcher that he was prior to Tommy John surgery, if he can do that, that is a huge upgrade for the Angels. So he becomes your number two starter. He's a guy that can be a difference maker. Then they brought in uh, Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen's a guy he's, who's interesting case. He's kind of another two-way player. I mean, he's not going to be a two-way player for uh, uh, for the Angels, but he's a guy that has played the outfield before, but he also pitches. He was a relief pitcher for a uh, for most of his time when he was with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the first seven years of his career, he was with the Reds. He made 26 starts. 21 of those were in his rookie season. Uh, you know, look, last year, uh, 27 appearances out of the bullpen. He was pretty good. Tends to give up uh, uh, a few too many walks for my liking. But, uh, you know, a guy that they are going to plug into the rotation. So, you know, and he's a guy that can work out of the bullpen if they need him to, but he is going to be a member of that rotation. If they can get something out of him, look, if he can give them uh, you know, pitch to an ERA in the fours. Great. Uh, they've got another young, a pretty good young lefty in Patrick Sandoval. Uh, Sandoval made 14 starts for him last year, and in those 14 starts, he was great. 87 innings, only 69 hits. An ERA of about three and a half, 
His whip was like 1.2. Uh, you know, so there's another case you can make. All right, there's there's my number four starter. You know, I'm and and maybe you can probably make the case that he should be the number three starter. But you look at that and you go, okay, that's not horrible. You know, that is certainly an upgrade from what the Angels had last year. And again, a healthy Trout, a healthy Rendon. So that's my case for them making the playoffs or or having an opportunity to win the division. Oh, yeah, and and one other young pitcher they've got, the kid uh, Jose Suarez, another lefty, uh, 14 starts last year, ERA, you know, similar numbers to what Sandoval did. So that's my case to the Angels being able to compete. Here's the problem. They're in the same division with the Houston Astros. And, yes, the Houston Astros lost Carlos Correa to the Minnesota Twins as a free agent. But here's the thing. They still have Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley and Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and Yuli Gurriel. This team is still loaded. The kid Jeremy Pena, the young shortstop, they love this kid. You know, so you look at this Astros lineup, and they didn't lose a lot. They lost Carlos Correa, but he can be replaced. And, by the way, folks, Justin Verlander's back. Missed last year with Tommy John surgery. He's back. His velocity seems to be back. We know what Framber Valdez can do. Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti. We saw that last year in the playoffs. This is a very good Houston Astros rotation. And then in the number five spot, you have Christian Javier. And they've got Jake Odorizzi on the staff, if he can give them anything. I mean, look, uh, again, this is a – I don't even know if it's a two-horse race. I'm going to say it's a one-horse race. This is another one of those divisions that I think Houston wins it by eight, nine, ten games. I think the Angels can finish second. The Texas Rangers have made some strides. No question about that. They have gotten better. Uh, you know, look, uh, they brought in Marcus Semien. They brought in Corey Seager. They brought in Mitch Garver. This team has, you know, some pop. If Cole Calhoun can stay healthy. You know, again, the problem when you look at the Texas Rangers, it's very similar to the Boston Red Sox. Who's going to get outs? John Gray is their ace. John Gray is a guy who has pitched his entire career up until this year with the Colorado Rockies. You know, let's see how good John Gray is not having to pitch in Colorado for half his games. You know, we look, we've seen this kid, you know, he's had double-digit wins four or five times in his career. His ERA is four and a half, but you can't, again, the fact that he pitches in Colorado, it's kind of hard to hold that against him. So he gives them a, a solid top-of-the-rotation guy. Martin Perez, who couldn't even break the Red Sox rotation for an entire year, ended up finished the season in the bullpen, is probably their number two starter. That tells you all you need to know about this Texas Rangers rotation. Ugh. You know, now they've got uh, a couple of other guys out there, but, you, you know, we don't know. what Dane Dunning. Uh, Dane Dunning made 25 starts last year, but, you know, wasn't great. Had a, a walks and hits to innings pitch about one and a half. Uh, Tyler Hearn, or Taylor Hearn, I should say, unproven. Spencer Howard, another guy unproven. So I can't take Texas real serious. Uh, I think what the Seattle Mariners did last year was a fluke. I think that the Mariners caught lightning in a bottle. 
They beat up on some teams late in the season but and, and won 90 games. But Kyle Seeger retired. Now, they brought in Eugenio Suarez, and Suarez has got a lot of pop. The problem is Eugenio Suarez hit 197 last year. Uh, you know, I like Adam Frazier. Can Ty France repeat what he did last year? I don't know. Jesse Winker, guy that came over uh, from the Reds. I like him. I, I like Mitch Hanniger. Uh, they're going to expect a lot out of the young kid, Jared Kelnick, the kid who came up from last year and struggled mightily. Uh, they are going to need him to produce. He's only 22 years old. That is a lot to put on a 22-year-old who hit 181 last year. Yeah, he's got some power. 14 home runs in, in essentially half a season. But they're going to be putting an awful lot of uh, on the shoulders of a 22-year-old kid. So it's hard for me to see the Mariners repeating what they did last year. And then, of course, there's the Oakland Athletics, who have sold everybody but me. Uh, and we'll be lucky to not lose 100 games this year. I mean, it, it's just, I mean, it, you know, and you think about this. The Oakland Athletics, folks, were in the playoff hunt last year right up until the final two or three weeks of the season. They won 86 games last year, and then they systematically dismantled this team. So they may lose 100 games this year. So to me, the Houston Astros run away uh, with the American League West. So we have, uh, in my mind, it's the, the Blue Jays, the White Sox and the uh, Houston Astros as your division winners. So then there's going to be two wild cards that are going to come out of that. Uh, I think the New York Yankees get uh, a wild card spot. Actually, I checked that. There's going to be three wild card teams because uh, we have uh, 12 in uh, the playoffs this year. So I think the New York Yankees are going to uh, get a wild card spot. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that the Angels are going to get one. And I think the Tampa Bay Rays get one as well. I think there are three teams that are going to come out of the American League East. Uh, I think that the White Sox come out of the uh, Central. And uh, then uh, Houston and the Angels will come out of the West. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to be the Toronto Blue Jays that are going to represent the American League in the World Series. It's 42 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to run through the National League for you. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 44 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. So let's move over to the National League in the time that we have left this morning. We start off, of course, in the American League or National League East. And, uh, this to me is a. Uh, I, I guess we will make this a, a three-horse race. Uh, I still think that the Atlanta Braves are the class of this division. Um, and you know, look, Eddie Rosario is back. Dansby Swanson is back. They traded for Matt Olson. No Freddie Freeman, so they traded. You know, essentially, Matt Olson comes over in a trade. Freddie Freeman signs as a free agent with the Dodgers. Uh, I'm going to say it's a wash. I know Freddie Freeman was beloved in, in Atlanta, but Matt Olson is an elite hitter and he is a very good defensive first baseman. So I don't think there's any drop off there. Marcelo Zuna is back. And because he was out with the domestic violence suspension last year. And, uh, now that there is a universal DH, Marcelo Zuna does not have to play the outfield. So he becomes your designated hitter. You've got Ozzy Albies. You've got Adam Duvall. You've got Travis Darno. Uh, 
And let's not forget, he's not going to start the season on the roster as he recovers from uh, knee surgery. But Ronald Acuna Jr. will be back sooner rather than later, and he'll be back in that leadoff spot. So you add up all these guys that I've just mentioned and then add Ronald Acuna Jr. to that mix? Whew. And then look at the rotation with Max Fried and Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright. Look, I, I, it's hard to argue that they are not going to repeat as NL East champs. I, I don't see how I don't see how they lose the division. I mean, perhaps I'm wrong. Uh, and and if you're a Met fan, you know you're going to say, well, look, uh, you know we're we don't forget about us. And I'll give you that, except that. You know, Max Scherzer, great addition. Trading for Chris Bassett from the Oakland Athletics, outstanding. Carlos Carrasco in the middle of that lineup, you have to be a little bit worried. Carrasco was not great last year. You know, he's not a young man anymore. I think his better days may be behind him. He may have left his better days uh, back in Cleveland when he was there. But he's 35 years old now. Uh, He's not washed up by any means. Um, but, uh, you know, and when he was healthy last year, he wasn't very good. You know, he had an ERA of over six for the Mets last year. Uh, and this is a guy that you're putting in the middle of your rotation. Taiwan Walker guy had a nice, uh, nice season last year, but now Taiwan Walker left their final spring training game yesterday with knee soreness. Jacob DeGrom, who's supposed to be your ace I mean, if you had DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett at the top of that lineup and then said, okay, it's going to be something like, you know, uh, then we're going to have Carrasco and Taiwan Walker fight it out for the fifth spot, great. The problem is Jacob DeGrom is going to be out until at least mid-June. We It could be longer than that. I think, look, if Jacob DeGrom can come back in June and he can pitch the remainder of the season, the Mets will be a playoff team. They're not winning the division. I still think the Braves are going to win the division, but I think the Mets can give themselves an opportunity. But I think the key to the Mets season, and you know, I'm not saying anything, you know, like earth-shattering, but without Jacob Degrom, they don't have a prayer. And then there's the Philadelphia Phillies. Look, the Phillies signed Nick Castellanos as a free agent. They signed Kyle Schwarber as a free agent. The top of that lineup is frightening with Schwarber and Real Muto and, and Bryce Harper, then Castellanos, Reese Hopkins, Didi Gregorius, if he's got anything left, uh, Gene Segura. That's a good, good lineup. The problem, again, they, this is another one of those teams where you want to know where the outs are coming from. They have Zach Wheeler. We know how good Zach Wheeler can be. He's only 31 years old. Uh, you know, he is the ace of that staff, and he's going to be solid. I don't worry about Zach Wheeler. You know, I mean, Zach won 14 games last year. I had an ERA under three. You know, I don't worry about him. He's going to th- – he can throw 200 innings. The big question mark now for the Phillies is Aaron Nola. Look, Aaron Nola should be coming into the best years of his career. He's only 28 years old. And, you know, he is as inconsistent as inconsistent can be. You know, he, he 
every time they need him to come up big, he can't do it. He gives up home runs like nobody's business. He gave up 26 bombs last year in 180 innings. You know, he's going to take the ball every fifth day. You know, he's going to go out and give you, you know, five, six, seven innings. He threw 180 innings last year, more, you know, innings hit pitched than, than, than hits allowed. But you have to be concerned about the gopher balls, and you have to be concerned not about the gopher balls, but about what our friend Bill Raftery would call onions. I worry about whether this kid has the onions to pitch in big spots. Because every time they needed him to come up big last year, Aaron Nola came up small. Uh, I love the kid, Ranger Suarez. Started the year in the bullpen. They put him in the rotation. He made 12 starts for him last year. Kid's phenomenal. Big fan. Uh, Kyle Gibson, you know, a guy in his mid-30s, a guy that's uh, uh, pitched most of his career in Minnesota, pitched last year um, uh, for a couple of teams. He pitched for Texas and then came over to Philly uh, and was decent. Wasn't great, but he was decent. You know, if he can duplicate his success from the last couple of years, he seems to have found something back in 2020. Uh, in 2020. Um, and uh, if he can continue what he did last year, all right, then maybe, you know, he gives them a solid number four. But I think the Phillies are another one of those teams that are going to have to win games 8-7, 9-8. So I think the Braves come out of the East without question. And I'm going to say that the Philadelphia Phillies will find a way and they will be a playoff team. Uh, we go over to the um, uh, National League Central. To me, this is a two-horse race, and it may not even be that. I think the Cardinals run away with the Central Division. The only other team in that division that could possibly compete with them is the, is the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, and the success for the Mo Milwaukee Brewers rests on two things. Number one, the biggest thing, is whether Christian Yelich can come back, whether he can regain the MVP form that this kid has had in the past. Uh, look, uh, he's suffered with back injuries. Uh, he lost most of last season with injuries. He's only 30 years old. But this is a kid that, for a time, was in the same conversation with Mike Trout as one of the best players in baseball. But his last two seasons have been brutal. The COVID year in 2020, he hit 205. Last year, missed half the year, hit 248, and he only had nine home runs. You know, this is a guy in 2019, folks, who hit 44 bombs, drove in 100 runs, hit 329, hit 326 the year before. Was in, you know, I mean, this is a guy that can carry a team on his back, but for the last two seasons, Injuries have killed him. They need him to come back. So he's number one. Uh, number two, they need Hunter Renfro to be the Hunter Renfro that he was in Boston last year. With with Yelich in left, Renfro in right, and a, a great defender in Lorenzo Cain in center field. If those guys are healthy, this team's going to could be could be a playoff team. Don't think they will be, but they could be. And you look at their rotation. And you know, I, I'm, Cor, you know, Brandon Woodruff, good. Corbin Burns, good. Freddie Peralta, pretty good. 
Um, you know, I think their pitching will keep them in it, but I think the Cardinals are just loaded. And I, you know, and, and I'll be li- I'll be lying if I uh, if I said that part of this wasn't uh, sentimental that because I wanted uh, Albert Pujols to make the playoffs one last time in his career and you know retire as a Cardinal going out in the playoffs. But I, you know, look with that Cardinal rotation with Wainwright and Flaherty, Stephen Matz, Miles Michaelis has looked pretty good in spring training. Dakota Hudson. That's the best rotation in that division. It's one of the best rotations in the National League. Uh, I think the Cardinals win this one easily. Um, And and I think they are going to be – I'm going to say they're going to be the only team that's going to come out of that division. And then we go over uh, to the National League West, the best division, I think, in the National League. Uh, I think everybody's picking the Dodgers. Everybody. Uh, you know, and everybody thinks the Dodgers are going to return to the World Series. Or you know, um, I'm not picking the Dodgers to win the division. I am going to, uh, and, and you know, I don't think it's too big of a stretch. I mean, now the Dodgers have the biggest payroll in baseball. I get it, but I think the San Diego Padres are going to win this. I think that you know, look, they're they're not going to have Fernando Tatis to start the season, but he'll be back if he can stay on the field and with Machado, and they got Luke Voigt there now, who had some great pop in that lineup. Uh, Trent Grisham, big fan, Jay Cronenworth, uh, Will Myers. Uh, I'm, I love Austin Nola. I think this team can be pretty good. And then you look at this rotation, You Darvish. They say that You Darvish is pitching the way he did four or five years ago. I know it's the spring, but he looks good. Joe Musgrove, uh, Blake Snell, you know, started out rough last year, pitched much better at the end of the season. They traded for Sean Maniah from the Oakland Athletics. Mike Clevenger coming back uh, from an injury. Uh, they, and they have Chris Paddock. I mean, I think this rotation is very, very good. So I'm going to say that the uh, Padres win a division. The Dodgers are obviously going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, and this may be this may come down to last year where you've got another one of these teams, two teams winning 100 games. Uh, and I think the San Francisco Giants are going to make the playoffs. I don't. They're not going to win 107 games like they did last year. Um, I think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. But I don't think that uh, I don't think they're. I think they finished third in that division. Uh, I think uh, look, Buster Posey's retired, and uh, he had a great year last year. Helped them into the playoffs. He's gone. So now they're go- turning to Joey Bart, a you know a, a young kid. They they have high hopes, um, but that's putting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, Tyro Estrada, who played shortstop for them at times last year, uh, Tommy Lastella can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and, can, and swing the bat the way they know he can, he will help them. Brandon Belt had a great year last year. Brandon Crawford, one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Uh, I love Mike Yastrzemski in center field. Uh, they added Jock Peterson from the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, So I think that they're going to compete, and I think that that rotation will be good enough to help them, but no Kevin Gaussman. So now it's on Logan Webb. Carlos Rodon, who came over from the Chicago White Sox. Di Scalfani was pretty good. Alex Wood was pretty good. I think they can stay in it, and I think they'll be a playoff team. Uh, but I think it's the Padres to come away with that division. Uh, as far as who wins the National League, um, i got to say that uh, it's going to be the Atlanta Braves. I think the Braves return to the World Series. I think it's a Braves-Toronto Blue Jays World Series, and uh, I think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be – the World Series champions in 2022. So that's how I see it. I'm probably wrong on all of it, so don't run to Vegas and place bets on it. But that's that's the way I see the uh, the season uh, shaping up. 
That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Friday. No show tomorrow, but we'll be back on Friday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Emmy Lou Harris and uh, John Denver. Emmy Lou Harris just turned 75 a couple of days ago. I missed her birthday, so we're going to uh, uh, wish her a happy birthday today. This is Wild Montana Skies. Have a great day. We'll see you Friday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.